Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today I'm joined by the always awesome and uh, fantastic Bob Morris. Bob, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing real well, thanks. Awesome, thank you for being here. Uh, Bob, I've had the benefit of knowing you for most of my life, and you are you are very well known, and it's something I'm going to actually address when we get to a later question, but Jen Bigwood and I ended up playing a game at Urbana, uh, how many people know Bob Morris? <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, oh just because as soon as we mentioned like we were from Calvary, someone they tip off and be like, "Oh, Bob!" <laughs> it was just, it was just funny. So, uh, Bob, you've got a lot of life experience and great insights and everything. Can you share a bit about your testimony with us today? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's. Uh more unusual than a lot of people because I was raised in Nigeria. My parents were missionaries with SIM. So I was raised in Nigeria, exposed to the whole mission culture and and, uh, growing up as a teenager, the one thing I knew I didn't want to do was missions. Mm -hmm. There's no way I was going to have anything to do with missionaries or missions until I got to university. And boy, oh boy, if I wanted to follow Jesus, I decided I had to also be involved in missions. They mm-hmm. went together for me. One implied the other. And I did. I had a heart for God as a result of my being raised by my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I had to give in at that point. <laughs> awesome. So, and see, I actually, even though, like I said, I've known you for a while, I didn't know you were raised in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. So when did you, when did you come over to Canada? Uh, at age 11. Age 11, okay, and did you come straight to Toronto, or was it by the no. way of... My parents dropped us off at um, boarding school in Collingwood, Okay. and they went back to Nigeria. Oh, wow. So between the ages of 11 and 16, I never saw my parents, and I met them as total strangers <laughs> when I was 16 years old, and they came back to Canada. Oh, wow. And then, you, like, you guys... Things are good to go, like strong relationship. That didn't affect it at all? Because of that. And one of my uh, supports for boarding school is, particularly teenagers, let them kick the boarding school staff and treat your parents with respect. (laughs) (laughs) By the time my parents came home, man, they were my heroes. Yep, the the rebellious streak, that angstiness was out. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Awesome. So you've... You've been involved in a number of ministries over the course of your life. Um, how did those come about? Well, I'm not much of an initiator, I have to tell you quite frankly. But I belong to a, a mission called InterServe. And okay. that Inter is really important to us. Uh, we have a, col- a, a compulsion to collaborate. And this is one of the reasons I joined InterServe. Because I, I hated duplication. I hate one-off people you know, doing their own thing. And so for me... Uh, I want to cooperate, collaborate. And so in in all these cases of of mission agencies and other things I've been associated with, they all probably were initiated by somebody else, but I joined them. Right. And that was true of Mission Fest. Philip Wood initiated that, asked me to join uh, Canadian Tentmaker Network, the Tim Center. In every case, I was approached by somebody already doing it to join them. Right. Cool, cool. And then what other, uh, what other ministries have you been involved with? I've been involved with Lausanne, Canada, which is an international uh, evangelization thing. Nice. Um, what else? Finishers, uh, which is a, uh, an agency trying to recruit seniors to go overseas, global mission. 
That's wicked. Any, any, any number. It goes on and on and on. At one point, I was on 22 different boards. I, so. <laughs> I believe it. I think at, I remember at a couple Calvary AGMs, like right after I became a member, it was like members and I'm scrolling through and it was like Bob Morris, Bob Morris, Bob Morris. <laughs> I was like, I'm a junior. Bob's on fire, man. He's got, he's all on board. That's great. I have to tell you one story too. I asked Ian Campbell, I said, you know, I'm a bit of a, a committee junkie. I love joining <laughs> boards and committees. Will there be committees in heaven? And without even a pause, he said, Bob, committees are in eternity, but they're not in heaven. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll enjoy them when I can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really good story, and I didn't expect... I'm like, Ian! <laughs> uh, you have been a huge supporter of missions in the church. Uh, what, what about this ministry is so important to you? I re- referred to it indirectly, but when I grew up, I had a real heart for God. Mm-hmm. And not a heart for missions. I just objected everything about missions. And in my third year at university, Toronto, I came to the realization that if I wanted to follow Jesus, that meant I had to be a missionary in the broadest sense. You know, yeah. I had to be concerned that he was concerned, and that was with the lost. And so when I gave my my heart and life to the Lord, it meant I had to be involved in missions. And I still <laughs> believe that to this day. Yeah, if you're a follower of Jesus. You've got to be involved in reaching out. Yeah, it uh, that makes me think of when I was working with um, Youth Unlimited. They were like, "You're a missionary," and I'm like, "But yeah. I, I'm just that like Papin Danforth. Like I'm in East York. Like I'm not going across the world." And they're like, "No, this is your field, like downtown." Yeah. So, yeah, it describes an attitude and an approach as opposed to a geographical location. Mm-hmm. Although you have been involved in a number of international missions, yeah. I uh, just basically, well, interserve. I, I, oh, right. I, grew up in, I am, and then as an adult, I've been involved with uh, interserve. Okay, now, right. We collaborate with other missions, but I've always had my interserve identity. So. Okay, okay. Um, what are some of the ways you've seen the Lord at work in the missions field? Man, just so many, so many ways. Um, Almost every country I've been in, I've just seen uh, God at work in, in different ways. Sometimes miraculous, sometimes slow and steady, um, but just lots of good examples of the way God has confronted people. I mean, you know David, uh, Daniel Edwards, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a guy come from a Muslim background mm-hmm. and just has been totally transformed by Jesus Christ. And he's not the only one. I've mm-hmm. seen other people like that overseas, you know, who just are different people after they've encountered Christ. Yeah. But then I, I was at a, a teaching, I was just a high school teacher at Woodstock School in North India, when a young Canadian group came, and they were a disaster. They were disorganized, <laughs> but they were a singing group, and they, were, they loved the Lord. And the Lord broke through in a terrific way where the Holy Spirit came down in that school. And it was incredible. I was in charge of discipline at the school. And it transformed my job. I, I mean, the, the bathroom graffiti, instead of obscenities, was Jesus loves you, you know? <laughs> 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 but, but, but I just saw probably a third of the student body 
came to Christ in that period of time. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, that's just clearly God at work, you know, and nobody else. So. Yeah. Well, heck, and then even as you say, like, they came in and organizationally they were a disaster, and yet still yeah. all that, yeah. all of that. It's not, not human, you know? No, exactly. But another way I've seen uh, God at work is through what we call tent makers. Okay. People who go over with a profession, right? That's how they gain access to the country. Mm-hmm. So people aren't aware of this, but the church in Bhutan that exists today was started by tent makers. People who went with a profession and then witnessed for Christ. Right. True of Afghanistan, true of Turkey, true of Mongolia, true of North Korea, true of Saudi Arabia. All these places where there are Christians today are because people went with their profession and, and mm-hmm. shared their faith. And those are some places where it would be hard to be like, I, I'm just going to go as a missionary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, missionaries where we are. Yeah. We can be Christian workers and Mm -hmm. Christians. Mm -hmm. That's it. We've got some mutual friends who we can't name for for safety reasons, who whenever they send out emails, it's like, we can't say we're this, we can't say we're this. But now, wow, that's, goodness, that's awesome. (laughs) It really is, because it's God's doing, that's why it's awesome. Well, exactly. No human can take credit for it. No, no, no. And I'll, I'll be honest, I've been listening to a lot of Shy Lin this week. Um, <laughs> don't know if you know him. He's a great uh, great Christian rapper. And then okay. just some of the things you're saying, I wish I could remember the lines exactly, but unfortunately I can't. It's just lining up with that. And his whole thing is like exalting God where I'm like, boom. <laughs> yeah. no, that's it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Um, are there any resources like pastors, authors, theologians that you learn from that you'd recommend for other people to check out? Yeah, a lot of them are are dated in terms of the current generation, but the ones I grew up with were Philip Yancey, J.I. Packer, uh, M.T. Wright, Mm. Dallas Willard, Mm. uh, probably the most current for me is David Platt, you know, there is a current... uh, D. Platt! Yeah, 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 D. Platt. And who's the other guy, the... uh, uh, Chinese origin guy, Francis Chen, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fran Chen. Yeah. Fran Chen, yeah. 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 So he's been really influential, too, in my life. Oh, yeah. And I love that... One of the reasons I love asking this question is because for everyone, it's different. And then even though you're saying some of these are dated to contemporary people, at the same point, like, we need to learn from previous yeah. generations. Like, And they're still valid. Oh, exactly. Know? Like, Spurgeon... As I, I love going back to his work, and there's so many great people today, but that doesn't mean we're just limited to today. So thank you yep. for... No, no, A.W. Tozer. Oh. I, mean, I him constantly. I remember uh, Hal Willis gave me a book of, of his, and he's like, you need to start reading this. And then my problem is I can't commit to reading, so I started reading it, and then, then the first couple chapters, I'm like, oh, awesome! And then I got distracted by work. But... <laughs> Oh yeah, I've, he's on my bookshelf behind me, so he's on my like. It's one of those where I'm like, I gotta actually finish reading this. Um, so this one's gonna be a fun conversation. What can you tell us about the Urbana Conference? Boy, oh boy, I think that probably for North America at least is the most significant gateway to mission. Mm. I think more people, like what, sixteen, twenty thousand students, attend Urbana every mm-hmm. conference. And in, in my own mission, probably 
over half of the people that go from Canada overseas with InterServe got their call at Urbana. Mm -hmm. I did myself. I attended Urbana 64, and I still remember the speakers. You know, and I, just, I just said, I've got to be involved in the mission. Mm -hmm. so, and I've attended, I'm afraid to tell you, I've attended eight Urbanas, and they're all stimulating. <laughs> they're all really encouraging. Yeah. And just, I, I just think God is, is using Urbana in a, in a marvelous way to, to call people into mission, mm -hmm. both here and overseas. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it started in Toronto, yeah? Or some of the early ones were in? The first one was in Toronto, 1946. Wow. Yeah, moved to Urbana, and now it's in St. Louis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they call it Urbana, St. Louis, yeah. <laughs> I have you been? I, I was there for Urbana 12. Um, myself and Jen Bigwood went. We almost didn't make it. And then I remember you emailing me being like, you gotta go, you gotta go. And then we ended up... Uh, our bus ride was insane, absolutely insane. Uh, it was supposed to be 16 hours. There was a snowstorm. We were stuck at the border for eight and a half hours between 2.15 and 8.45 in the morning. There was only, like, two agents on. So, I, like, me as... I'm not the biggest planner, but I was like, why did nobody call them? Just to say, like, there's a caravan of buses coming. Maybe try to get staff up. Um and we ended up in a ditch outside, like an hour outside of Chicago, so still like three hours away. I remember it because I was at Urbana. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We uh we went for coffee I think on the Friday or something, or one of the days because you had texted me and Jen because we were in the hotel and you're like, "Are you guys here? We're down in the Starbucks." And Jen and I were like, "Let's go!" And we <laughs> and we ran down to ran down to meet up with you, and it was. That's good. I, I love Urbana, man. Like, I've recommend every time it's coming up and there's a con yeah. there's another one coming up this year. I'm just, like, right. telling yeah. any church I can, like, if you can get people there, go. It's worth That's it. Absolutely. I agree. And even even the international worship where it was oh, just, yes. like, they're busting out xylophones and accordions, and it <laughs> works. <laughs> I'm just, like... Not that we have to do that every Sunday morning, but I'm like, wait, why are we limiting ourselves so much in worship? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good experience all around. What are some of the ways you see the Lord at work in Canada? That's a tougher one. You know that? Yeah. It's not easy to look overseas. It's popping overseas. Mm -hmm. And the places popping here are the newcomers coming to Canada. They're the ones who are really on the ball. Mm -hmm. in terms of worship, in terms of outreach and everything else. And they're saving the Canadian church from itself. <laughs> Daniel, uh, Pastor Daniel Winters from Calvary, when I interviewed him, he said something very similar. So that's yeah. crazy oh, yeah, interesting. I just, for example, I met with a young guy, I meet with Reg, a young Korean guy, mm -hmm. yesterday morning. And he and some Korean friends have started what they call Red 7. In other words, it's a church plant mm -hmm. of based on Revelation 7, where every ethnicity and tribe and nation are represented. And their whole object is to start a multicultural church. That's um, awesome. Something like 30 people show up, and they just had two services, you know? So there's an example mm -hmm. of, of how God is working. Wonderful. That's great. Can and I, just another example of yeah. how God is doing crazy things. All the examples, man. All one, of them. <laughs> one of the guys that attended this church for the first time is an Iranian. Who addressed my friend in fluent Korean? 
the guy says, cousin, Ronnie learned Korean. <laughs> well, he was displaced and spent five, three years or something in Korea, mm-hmm. learned fluent Korean. Another guy is an Ethiopian who speaks Greek. You know, and this is the crazy mixed up <laughs> world God has given to us. Yeah. Define your ethnicity, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. And it's, oh, man, that's great where it's, they're actually understanding different languages. I can't remember the passage specifically, but where it was, uh, God's just like, okay, y'all aren't going to understand each other. And then they were suddenly speaking right. very different tongues and languages. Genesis 11. There oh, we right. go. Thank you. Yep. Um, <laughs> it was like, Bob will get it. He knows the one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and now it's it's the reverse of that now, where it's like the different yeah. ethnicities, but using the different languages, and they all understand, except me, because I still barely speak English. Um, me too. Me too. <laughs> they say the most widely spoken language in the world is accented English. In other words, everybody speaks it as a second language, so you've got an advantage that way. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, man, whenever I think of people being like, seeing people give other people a hard time for like being rough with English, I'm like, yeah. man... English is rough for people who speak English. Oh, yeah. Except the British. They invented the language, and it's... To them, they're just like, you're not caught up yet. What What's going on? I'm so thankful English was my first language because I've never attained it as a second one. Oh, my gosh. No. I uh, Yeah. Hundo, hundo P, Bob. Hundo P. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what are some of the stuff you're in, involved with these days? Um... Sort of informally, informally. Still Mission Fest. Mm-hmm. I'm just acting as a consultant there. I'm just acting as a consultant to Lausanne. Mm-hmm. They're reforming a new board. I am on the board of Imago, which is a, an arts. It, it's a a ministry that encourages emerging Christian artists, That's singers, uh, excellent. visual artists, everything. Yeah. So I'm on that board, and we have good fun with that one. I'm on the um, uh, Tyndale Alumni Council. Oh, snap. Yes, I sit on that. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm on the uh, my church's missions committee. Those are the ones that I regularly am part of. That's great. What, uh, just because it's been a while since we've connected, what church are you going to these days? We're going to Bridalwood Presbyterian Church. Bridalwood, okay. Which is, let me tell you this, I just discovered this. It's our 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. It's the only church in North America that legally has to define themselves as evangelical. What? You know, the name, you know the name Robert McClintock? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. With all the churches in Scarborough, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's the Brethren in Christ, there's AGC, there are Baptist churches, etc., etc. Yeah. And he decided he wanted a mainline denomination in, in Scarborough. He went to the Presbyterian Church of Canada. He said, I will donate four acres of land. I will donate the church, but you have to guarantee to me that it's an evangelical Presbyterian church. And they actually wrote it into their bylaws of the Presbyterian Church of Canada. <laughs> so, legally, Brightwood has to be evangelical. Oh my goodness. So then, uh, even, even if another place possibly takes it over, it might be... Not not that it would, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just still... Or they lose it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's... That's... That's and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's going to keep them on track yeah. with being evangelical. <laughs> and it has been ever since it was founded fifty years ago. All evangelical ministers, a strong evangelical congregation, committed to global mission and everything. So it's really good. 
I, I, I don't mind that approach. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't think that's bad at all, actually. <laughs> Credit, eh? Oh yeah, definitely, and and that's not to be like let's keep our hands in pockets, but at the same, by that I mean you you get what I mean. But it's just yeah. like it, it adds to that responsibility to be like, all right, no, we we got to be on mission because if we don't, we're also going to lose the building. <laughs> Good incentive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm a little uh, a little under the weather. Um, we have flown through the questions, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then um finally what would you say to someone thinking about pursuing the missions field either as a vocation or just even as a temporary well, thing right. yeah you know, i'm talking to canadians and i'm assuming that's the back context of the question hey? yes yeah for the most part although if you've I got another say, tip i'd love it it's <laughs> too safety in other words take risks mm-hmm. canadians are obsessed with safety. You know, this is our number one priority if you're on an airline, mm-hmm. their safety. Mm-hmm. Go to school, our number one priority is your child's safety. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just so much nonsense. Safety is no part of the Great Commission. No way. And mission is a dangerous occupation nowadays. You take your life in your hands, mm-hmm. which is a prerequisite of being a disciple of Jesus Christ anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, take up your cross and follow me. But Canadians are just... They're going to consider things as long as they're safe. And I say, no, don't do that. If you sense God's call on you, do not judge where you go or what you do by whether it's safe or not. Uh, We were commissioning one young lady at Calvary Church, commissioning her to Kabul, Afghanistan. And after the service, which was a great service of commissioning, her mother came up to me and said, Bob, is Kabul safe? What do you say? Yeah. Definitely not. (laughs) What I said said was, is Scarborough safe? Yeah. Not not if God's not in it. Yeah, no. It's not a safe place to be. So this safety issue, I think, is a really important one. But I think more essentially for anyone wanting information is is humility. God blesses the humble, Mm -hmm. you know, and resists the proud. And I think any type of service, but particularly in global mission, you don't go in as a world changer. You don't go in and say you're going to solve your problems. You're coming in as a student, a learner, a servant, someone who wants to know how they can be, how can serve people. Mm. So that's a, a second one. Live simply is another one, and it's hard to define what living simply is. But my criterion is just live more simply than you are now. <laughs> Put it <that> way. <laughs> just work at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I don't like is the juxtaposition of competence and commitment. Okay. You know, some people say, well, we have to, he's really competent, he's not a great Christian, but we have to appoint him. You know, and I think what we're striving for is both competence and commitment to Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the only reason you're involved in mission, is because Christ has called you, and you're following him. Mm -hmm. He's already there, you know, and you've Mm -hmm. got to just keep that in mind. So, but you want to be your best. You don't want to be second best. You don't want to be, you know, oh, shucks, let's give it a go kind of thing. Yeah. You want to plan to be the best. And then the old shibboleth, read your Bible and pray every day. You know, <laughs> you, you drop that, boy, you are vulnerable. Very you true. Very true. Prowling around. He's looking for people to devour. And, man, oh, man, you don't want to be that person. Very true. And anyway. some of that stuff you said... Um, it brought to mind something uh, I think Daniel and I have talked about and uh, 
my next door neighbor who's one of the pastors from my church have talked about where it's normally something where I have issue with people from a prosperity church where it's yeah. like pray pray and pray and you'll have rims on your rims and all that Name and, claim it, yeah. and then I'm like when I when you look at scripture it's like Jesus was homeless he, he wasn't comfortable he was couch surfing he had his yeah. butt kicked like, yeah. <laughs> and then some of those guys so then as you were talking about safety I'm just like man it, it wasn't safe Paul wasn't safe heck the other guys weren't safe from Paul for a while <laughs> <laughs> So it's just that that's a great reminder. Um, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing that just because yeah. that's a great one. <laughs> and, I would add comfort to that. It's part of mm-hmm. the same thing. But safety and comfort uh, just seem to be the, the standard for Canadian ambition. It's just well, it's irrelevant. Yeah, no, it's it's something that I think is very much a very much a North American thing. And heck, I'll be honest, it's easy to be like, well, I'm not going to be comfortable with that. So I'll just do that. I know I, I've thought that. But then other times it's like. Nah, man, you just, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. At one point, you know, the, the, when you said goodbye to somebody, you always said, take care. Mm-hmm. And I just started saying, take risks. <laughs> <laughs> make the point. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. Although, um, I'm thinking now where it would be like, if you said that to younger Chris from Calvary, especially with Hal, it would have been like, take risks. All right, let's go do something stupid. Bob gave us the okay. <laughs> That's why you're still pumping it out, man. Don't knock whether you're like, what, 10 years ago? Oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's. it's you know, if you, if you aren't like that at, at 20, mm-hmm. for sure you won't be at 40. <laughs> you won't make it till 40. No, no, no. Exactly. Oh, man. Oh, oh, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some stuff. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, Bob, thank you so much. Uh, it's, pardon? It's been good fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it was great catching up with you. Um, and I'd love to actually do it in person sometime whenever Tom's like, hey, I'm going in to meet Bob Morris. I'm like, awesome, what time? 7 a.m. <laughs> for me, well, he drives, and then it's also like for me to get to his station, I'd be like, I got to get up at like 4.50, man. <laughs> but sometime we'll figure out a time. And um, yeah. Give my greetings to Jillian, too. Oh, absolutely. And give my greetings yeah. to Carol. Awesome. All right. Well, Bob, thank you so much. And you, listener, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed and uh, learned as much as I have from Bob, although I've had the chance to over the course of many years. And uh, thank you for listening. And God bless, my friends. Take care. 